Encore with Shannon Fogarty. Arts and entertainment for the Midlands. With the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com it is Thursday evening and that means it is Encore time with myself, Shannon Fogarty. This is the Midlands dedicated arts show bringing you the absolute best of what's happening in the arts around Leash, Offaly and Westmead. What's coming up tonight on the show? Tullamore Amateur Dramatic Society will be performing A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. Fanula Corrigan will join me to tell us all about that. I catch up with Old Fort Quarter Festival Director PJ Kavanagh on what the weekend's festival is all about and what's happening. An artist from Collinstown, Emma Carter has been invited to show her work at the Borders International Art Fair in Italy. Exciting news and she will be on to let you know everything about that and how she got in there. And lastly, if you are a fan of psychological thrillers then this new Substack newsletter will be right up your alley. All on Encore tonight between now and 8 o'clock. To get in touch you can pop me a text on 083 30 10 103. You can follow us across all of our social media channels at Midlands 103 or if you want to be a part of the show you can email me Encore at midlands103.com To start the show I am joined by director Fanula Cargan. Fanula, thank you so much for coming into studio Thanks very much Shannon Thank you for having me Oh, only delighted to have you So Tullamore Amateur Dramatic Society is bringing their production of A Midsummer's Night Dream to the Esker Arts Centre on the 27th to the 30th of June How are you feeling? Um, I suppose we're in the last few days now of getting ready Shannon so we're Uh, Yeah, a bit nervous as we draw closer to it. Um, Yeah, and just trying to, I suppose, fine tune uh, the cast. People have worked incredibly hard at it. It's been uh, something new for us. We've never done Shakespeare Shakespeare before as a drama group. I suppose I'm involved since the mid-90s in the drama group on and off over the years. And uh, Shakespeare is something we haven't tried, but we have talked about it. And funnily, uh, we've often talked about A Midsummer's Night's Dream and trying it sometime in the summer. So when the Arts Centre opened and there was this, there is this amphitheatre space outside, it was like uh, things just seemed to come together. It's like, you know, the, the, the roads seemed to meet and uh, we uh, approached the Arts Centre and we asked them, how would they feel if we gave this a go? Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we're excited, definitely excited and um yeah, it's been a it's been a real experience for us. And how has the process been like for, you know, training and practicing and now seeing it all come to life on this on the stage? How how has the whole process been? I suppose from the very start, you know, from if I was to go right back to when we started to read it in February and March, we were really um it was like the language was so new to us. Mm. It was so new to us. It took us you know, and you were there going what what is, you know, what is happening and having to slow it down, really, really slow it down initially so we could make our own of it. Um, but I think what grabbed me about it from the start is that when you do break it down, um, you know, it's about people, people who are in love, people who, who fancy others, uh, people who are jealous of those that don't, you know, that, 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 that they're fancied person loves, you know. And it was even, uh, you know, I suppose I said, you said to the others at the start, um, the um, Martin McDonagh's uh, film was around at the time and Brendan Gleeson and the Colin Farrell characters. And there's almost a space in the play where it's like one character is saying to the other, I don't love you. What do you not get? And it was like, this is Brendan. This is, you know, this is, uh, you know, it reminded me of that. So in a way, even though it's written a couple of 400 years ago or thereabouts, even more than that, it was like, 
Yes, and we can relate to it mm-hmm. because sometimes the person we love doesn't love us. And sometimes somebody else, they fancy somebody else. And that's, you know, so it's all of that. Yeah. And I, f- I find with all of Shakespeare's plays, I mean, the ones that I would have done in, in secondary school and that, they're all very relatable to things that are going on today. As you said, they were written years and years ago. So that's what I love about it. So I'm very excited to see how this all plays out. How are the actors themselves feeling? Um, I think people are, I think we've all been amazed that we have come to love, love the play. Love the language, uh, love the lyricism, love its poetry. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't say, I'd say if you had some of the actors here, they, w- they would say, oh, no, Fanula, it has been hard. It has been hard. Some of the, the, it's, it can be convoluted in places, but it has a lyricism, it's something lyrical in the language that, um, that really sits well on the ear. And um, yeah, so working with that, um, yeah, I, th- I think we have, I would say we ha- are enjoying it. And um, we have a lot of new people in the group and it's a large cast. And maybe that's what Shakespeare offers you, as opposed to maybe some plays only offer you a cast of maybe six, eight. But for a drama group, there's a cast of, I think, 22 on the last count in this play. We have had people join us. We have a few fairies. uh, We have a few uh, servants. So we have had people joining in the last couple of weeks as we kind of fine tune. Uh, Yeah, And I love that you have people can join and any at any time at any stage, whatever level they they are at in their acting career, which I think is absolutely incredible. So, what are you hoping the audience takes away on the night? Um, from the start, I think I said I will be really, really happy and feel we've done a really good job, Shannon. If people go away saying that was enjoyable, I think, and that they could they have a sense that Shakespeare is I suppose reachable for us all, uh, and. Um, that, I think, would make me really, really happy, I think. And there's, it's a comedy, can I say, and there are lots of comic moments in it. Um, there's lots of mischievous... Mis- yeah, there's lots of mischief happens in the woods. Uh, there are fairy figures involved. Um, there are lots of things that go awry. Uh, and in the end, all ends well. So, for directing this play, what are you looking forward to the most? Um... What am I looking forward to the most? Like, is there a certain scene, or is it the oh, the overall? But yeah, what are you what are you looking forward to the most? I think it's the overall. I think yeah. it is. And what I love is I love the audience reaction. I love when the audience get it. Um, I suppose that feedback for a cast is fabulous. That feedback for a director is fabulous. The space is lovely, Shannon. I just want to maybe just to say to people who may be listening today and thinking of coming or may already have booked tickets. The booking is actually going very well. We're really pleased about that. There's excitement in the town in many quarters about it. But just to say to people, it's concrete steps, uh, amphitheatre, semicircular amphitheatre shape. Uh, Please, please bring your cushions. Please. We were there last night rehearsing outdoors. It was a lovely night and yet it got chilly. So some of our, uh, what would I say, our backstage crew were watching it, but they did have a blanket. So I would be saying, uh, yes, come with your cushion and blankets and be ready for the weather. Um, can I also say that we'll go ahead outside, hopefully, but if it should get, if the weather was extremely, extremely wet, um, the Arts Centre have been really good to us and we also have the option of going in st- inside onto the stage. Now, we're hoping, we would rather, we have rehearsed with the outside space in mind, its shape, its steps, uh, its closeness to the audience, uh, but 
um, yeah, just to let people know that if it turns out to be a very wet evening, you know, that, that they'll know still to come on in. We'll still do the show. The show will go on. And I think it's lovely that it's going to be outside because, I mean, with all the weather and everything that we've been having, apart from the uh, the old storms that have been there, it's been absolutely beautiful. So it's nice to have a space like this outside that you can have this on. So I'm very excited to see it. I think it'll be absolutely amazing. So I guess I have to ask, why a Midsummer's Night Dream? What was that? What was the reason for that particular play? Um, I suppose we're, why that play? That it has come to a few, a number of times over the years. Some of us within the drama group have wondered, and have gone to outdoor productions elsewhere, not necessarily a Midsummer's Night's Dream, but of other of other plays, other uh, other performances. And for some reason, it was the one that kept coming back up. And I suppose, yes, if you're thinking of summer and you're going to give Shakespeare a go for the first time, uh, we're, we, midsummer, yesterday, today, I suppose, the longest days in the year. Uh, we aimed for it initially, uh, but the Arts Centre, just the way their dates were panning out, uh, next week was where it fell when we went to them. And uh, so we're as close to midsummer as we could be. So it just seemed the obvious choice. There was no, there was no other runner. There was no other contender when it came to Shakespeare this time round. I love that, and I have to admit, the staff and everyone over at the Esker Arts Centre are absolutely incredible mm. to deal with. So the space, I can only imagine. I haven't seen the outside section now, so I'm very, very excited to see what that's like. So yes, people, jackets. Uh, blankets and cushions. Remember yeah. your cushions. Remember be- your cushions. Yeah. <laughs> and can I just say as well, just yes, the, uh, the art centre, it's marvellous to have it. I would say probably the last time I was on here was campaigning for an art centre, Shannon, and some other programme. So just it's marvellous to have it. I really encourage people to get on their mailing list and really tune in. If you're on their mailing list, you'll know what's going on. And there is a lot that's happening. There is a lot that's happening and they have had some incredible shows and I mean, I've been to a few of them down there and I'm, my jaw is always on the floor with how incredible all these performances is. So it's really nice to see a little more amateur dramatic society. So is this a society where anyone can, how can people join if they want to or get more information? Get more information. There's a Facebook page, uh, Tullamore Amateur Dramatic Society. Uh, that's probably the best way uh, just to tune in. And if people are there on the night, talk to us. We'd be delighted to meet people. Very often it's word of mouth. Uh, maybe sometimes we might have something in the Tullamore notes or that as well uh, on the, you know, on the local papers. Um, but I would say checking in with the Arts Centre. Uh, you know, and they will put them in touch with us as well. That's probably another way, uh, Shannon. We're we're easy enough to find, I'd say. I hope we are anyway. Yeah. And we'd be delighted, as I said. I think of the cast, yeah, we have some people who've been on stage before, lots uh, familiar faces. Maybe, Shannon, you mightn't be here, but Frank O'Brien, Daniel Murray, Susan MacDonald, Damien Mitchell have all been on, you know, uh, Gillian. There's a few people there have been on stage before. And then we have people who are on stage for the first time. And they're they're doing great, and I think there's great there's something lovely for that in it for us all. Um, yeah, it's been a really it's been a good experience for us. And I love that anyone of any kind of stage in acting can get involved in this. And I can only imagine the nerves and the excitement and everyone on the night. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I wish everybody there the best of luck. And can I say we had one or two people join us this year who are really interested in working backstage and doing, we have, yeah, costumes. Oh, yeah. And that's been a huge, that's brilliant as well. So again, people out there, 
if you're interested in those sides of things, we'd be delighted to have you involved at some stage along the way. Amazing. So if anybody wants tickets to go and see this incredible play, they can go to eskerarts.com. And this is running from the 27th to the 30th of June. So you have a day where you can go and pick it. And just remember, it is performing in the new outdoor performance space where it's been designed in the style of an ancient Greek amphitheatre with concrete steps as seats. So people are advised to bring a cushion and suitable clothing as it could get chilly, but we're hoping it won't. Fanula, thank you so much for coming in and telling us all about it. And I, I'm very excited to see how the play goes. And we look forward to seeing you there, Shannon. And as and everybody else who arrives. Thanks very much. No problem. Fanula, thanks again for chatting to me and I wish you and all the members the best for the show. Coming up after this quick break, a festival in Port Leash has just kicked off and I got the chance to catch up with the festival director about what the weekend holds in store right here on Midlands 103. Encore, in association with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Lone. Our bright and airy AIB gallery and cosy theatre bar can cater for smaller private events too. Your theatre, our home. DeanCrowTheatre.com This is Encore on Midlands 103 and the Old Four Quarter Festival is back in Portlaoise and it started today and to tell us about the weekend planned I have Festival Director PJ Kavanagh on the line. PJ, thank you for joining me on the show. You are the Festival Director for the Old Fort Quarter Festival that is happening in Portlaoise. It's actually started today which is incredible. Tell me a little bit about the festival. Yeah, it's kicking off now shortly um, in the Leash Music Centre just on Church Avenue. So tonight in the main stage, we have the Whistling Donkeys headlining and they're supported by the Dooley Brothers. So the crowds are pouring in at the moment, uh, looking looking pretty good. The weather's on our side as well. Um, so that's the first night tonight. We also have a heritage event in the uh, uh, parish centre in Leash, where Richard McLaughlin's giving a talk on the history of Leash, And uh, that takes place from about 7 o'clock to about half past nine. So we're banging to the banging to the start of it. Then tomorrow night we're back at the main stage in the Leash Music Centre with uh, an ELO tribute showdown, and that's followed by Queen uh, Queen tribute. They're top class band that are touring the country at the moment. That are they're getting in all the crowds. So uh, yeah, busy couple of days to start off, and then we're into the big stuff on Saturday and Sunday. That'll be absolutely brilliant, and it's nice to have something like this happening as well. So, um, what can people expect, or what do you what do you want people to to take away from the festival? Well, Saturday and Sunday this afternoon, um, we've got a lot of activities on the main street in Port Leash. So it's pedestrianised in the courthouse and as far as the new library and back down to Fitzmaurice Place, which is just around the corner. We've got a street market taking place on the main street uh, both days, Saturday and Sunday. And the Dunamace Art Centre have a great lineup of entertainment for kids and for families um, on Fitzmaurice Place. And um, we've got a uh, so uh, we've got a um, a lot of activities then as well from um, the Leash African Group and Music Generation as well. So on Sunday afternoon in the Music Centre, we've got about eight different groups from various music centres all around Ireland that are taking taking part in the concert, um, and that's headlined by Groove Line as well on Sunday afternoon. So there's something there for kids from young to old. There's loads of activities taking place through the town centre. And then, of course, Saturday and Sunday night, we've got the main shows in the at the main stage. With on Saturday night, we've uh, Martigal Foil DJ and DJ John Gibbons uh, headlining the the main stage. Sunday night, then we're back with Transmitter and Smash Hits wrap up the festival on Sunday night. So it's a bumper lineup, something there for everyone from young and old uh, markets, family events, heritage shows, uh, you name it. It's all there, and uh, should be a great weekend in Portlaoise, hopefully. It sounds like it. It sounds like it'll be absolutely incredible. So tell me, how did the old Fort Quarter Festival come about and how has it developed over the years? In 2017, 
So at the time, uh, there was just a few of the guys involved in the shop in the, the Heritage Society and um, some local businesses as well just got together to see if we could do something to celebrate the history and the heritage in Port Leash. So Fort Protector, which is it's just literally around the corner of Main Street. Probably wouldn't have known much about it myself growing up in Port Leash all those years, but it was actually built back in, in 1547 and it's the first uh, plantation town outside mainland UK. Um, from then, I suppose, the Seven Clans of Leash uh, decided to, uh, they, had, they wanted to have their say, I suppose, is the short version in uh, taking back control, I suppose, in this area of town and the Midlands, I suppose. Um, of course, there was something similar in Offaly as well in Queen's County at the time. But um, that's really where it came about. Lots of people didn't know the history of the actual fort in this, this right bang in the middle of our town. That you know, it's great to actually tell people about it and be able to speak about it. Um, so it's it's great to to see it's a part of the history of the town that we're all very proud of, and we just want to I suppose let people know about it. And this might be a bit of a tough question as you're a festival director, but what are you looking forward to the most about, about this festival? Tuesday when I can go to sleep. <laughs> I don't, no, for me, um, I think the the music that we've got lined up over the weekend at the main stage um, just gets keeps getting better and better every year. Um, it's a really really good site, whack bang in the middle of town. Um, you know, it's something it's easy to get to. Uh, tickets are reasonably priced for those for those events. And I, I'm just looking forward to the the buzz in the town centre. It's great to see so many people coming out and know that there's so many people coming into town first to enjoy themselves. And uh, just really want to see people getting out and enjoying themselves the weekend and uh, just enjoy the, the, the what's on offer in the town centre this weekend. And if anybody uh, listening wants to get tickets to anything that's happening or they want more information, where can they find both? Yeah, so our website is theoldfortquarter.com. Um, you'll get tickets from the Dunamis Arts Centre that you'll link through from the website there. And uh, you should get plenty more information on the website there as well. And we're on socials as well, on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And it's it's great to have this. I know one of the girls here is actually from Port Leash and she's really looking forward to to attending it. How do you find the, the local support for it? Do you find that everyone in Port Leash comes to this? Yeah, it's 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 the highlight. It's one of the highlights of the year. We find like as soon as it, kind of Christmas is over, the questions start coming: who's playing at the Old Fort? Who's going to be down there? What days are on? So we've kind of bedded it in for the last weekend in June every year, and that's happened over the years. Like when we started first, the festival was on Main Street, and it just got too big for Main Street, unfortunately, and we had to move it off just to make it a little bit just to make it a little bit safer for everyone. So um, we're great. We're delighted with the new site and people just seem to flock to it. And we've had um, smash hits and transmitter headlining the Sunday night since it's, since it started. And every single year, it just seems to be a get-together for locals. And um, it's one of the highlights of the events. And the transmitter are obviously a local band from Port Leash. And smash hits um, just seem to bring the crowd as well every year. And it's just one of the highlights of the year for, for I suppose, people in Port Leash and around the county. And it's great that you have people coming from all over to this to this festival, which is amazing. And I'm really looking forward to this because I've just moved to the Midlands, so this would be very, very exciting for me to attend. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's great. Like it, it's it, there's definitely something different every year. Like we're lucky we've got 
so so many different aspects of the festival. So as I said, you've got the uh, the heritage society involved um, that bring one dynamic to the festival. You've got the Dunamis Heritage Centre involved um, who bring their own skill set to it as well and a, a phenomenal lineup of entertainment for kids there over the weekend. Uh, with a street market that Michael Delaney, who runs markets all over the country, is bringing a, an array of stalls to. Uh, we've got local sports clubs involved in it. Um, we've got some town stages set up as well, like on uh, at the courthouse at the new library and at the tomorrow's place, where we've got local um, musicians playing there throughout the day on Saturday and Sunday. And um, the same then we've got some of uh, the Leash African group are also involved on sun- Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Uh, so the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And even despite naming so many, I'm leaving out a good few, unfortunately. But uh, it, look, we, it's great that we have so many uh, so many people supporting us. Uh, the County Council are really, really good and really proactive um, in terms of you know trying to get uh, Port Leash active as an event centre for us. We're located whack bang in the middle of the country. It's you know I think it's eighty percent of the population of Ireland live within a you know an hour and a half drive of of Port Leash. Um, but it's so easy to get to as well with trains and buses and that. So we're very lucky that you know with the likes of the electric picnic in Strabley and the ploughing championship taking place just out the road as well. Um, County Leash overall is really becoming well known for events and with the various events that take place in all the towns during the summer as well. It's uh, it's an exciting time and great fun and lots for everyone to do, young and old, for the whole summer. And it is. It's, it's absolutely brilliant to have. And you must be a very, very busy man today. So, PJ, thank you so much for coming on. And Portleash is Thanks the place so. to be this weekend. <laughs> great. Thanks, Mel. See you then. And it's so true. Portleash is the place to be this weekend. And if you want to get tickets or more information, go to oldfortquarter.com. Up after this quick break, a Collinstown artist is bringing her work to Italy. Find out why and when right here on Midlands 103. Midlands 183's Encore with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Live theatre, drama, dance, music, comedy, musical theatre, panto. Your home of entertainment for all. DeanCrowTheatre.com You are back with Shannon Fogarty on Encore and I am delighted to be joined by artist Emma Carter. Emma, you have had some very exciting news in the last while. How are you? I'm brilliant, Shannon. Thank you. First (laughs) off, congratulations on being selected to showcase your work at the Borders International Art Fair. How do you feel about that opportunity? Um, It has been a roller coaster since I received the invitation. I honestly needed to read the email two or three times because I didn't think it was real. Um, it's been an amazing feeling to know somebody has recognised my work on a global level. Um, like I'm from a small village called Collinstown here in Westmead and to be able to fly the Irish flag at the exhibition is beyond anything I've ever done before. Um, it's a very overwhelming feeling but I'm also very excited. So tell me a little bit about the art that you're actually going to exhibit at the fair. So the artwork is completed in an abstract expressionist style. So this means I rely on colour and mark making to create the finished piece. Um, some of the canvases that will be on show in Venice were also on show at my recent exhibition called Geyer last summer in aid of Mullingar Pediatric Unit. Um, but the other canvases were painted within the last year. One canvas in particular, um, the largest one I'm bringing with me, is a painting I completed in my level 8 in art college. Um, but it's the one I'm most fond of because it's the one I experienced my Eureka moment with. So like every artist experiences a, a Eureka moment when finding a breakthrough in their style. Um, so there'll be six paintings on show in total. 
Um, most of the campuses are actually over two metres in height. They're very large. Um, and many of the colours and marks seen on the campuses were purely emotion or feelings I had while painting them. So normally when I receive orders from clients, I base the paintings off interior decor in their, in their house or home. And um, so like the canvases that would be seen in Venice are just purely my own style, my own preference of colour. So um, it, it'll be a difference to what I'm normally painting. That's incredible. And I mean, two metres high and you have to bring those over to Venice. That's going to be... <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's going to be some fun so tell me a little bit about the whole process of getting your artwork submitted and, and being able to be a part of this how was that process so the process has been a major part in the organising and the accepting of the invitation so my first thought was how am I going to get the canvases across the water <laughs> um, but I'm used to local exhibition to see so this is all new to me um, but the major challenge so far is trying to get funding as it's a very expensive process. So things such as like the shipment of the canvases, the packaging of them, and then of course the flights and accommodation are all taken into consideration. Um, like I've tried many organisations to secure funding, but unfortunately I haven't been able to secure anything yet. But I am hopeful before I get off to Venice that something will, will come um, for me. Um, but I'll be meeting like other artists from around the world and networking with gallerists, collectors, art enthusiasts and tourists as well. So for me, another challenge will be speaking in front of very large crowds of people. Like you would think as an art teacher, that wouldn't be a problem, but it's a very daunting call at the same time. Um, I have family and friends coming with me to Venice, so they'll be my moral support over there for that. And that'll be lovely to have them over there with you. But um, yeah. so you're looking so funding. I can obviously imagine that that is an issue. And hopefully now yeah. you'll be able to get sorted. And I'm sure some of our lovely listeners would be only more than willing to help you out. <laughs> so if anyone does want to get in touch with Emma to help out with funding to bring her incredible art pieces over to Venice, how can they get in touch with you, Emma? Um, well, I have an Instagram page um, or Facebook page, Emma Carter Art, um, but. A lot of people um, would contact me through my website, which is just emmacarterart.com, and there's a contact box there with my email in it. So um, that would be the, the primary um, level of contact for me. So if anyone listening wants to help Emma out, because this is a massive opportunity for her, that is where you go, emmacarterart.com. So you are actually a art teacher as well in um, Kalash de Dunnery in Kingscourt. So tell me, how have the students reacted to finding out that you were bringing your art across the, across the waters? Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Like when the students and staff find out about the invitation, there was a wave of support and excitement in the corridors and the staff room. Like they really influenced my decision to accept the invitation because like I was very overwhelmed when I first received the email. Um, and like I want to be able to do my students and staff colleagues and the school itself proud because it's it's much better than I've ever done what I've I've done before. Um, and it's a terrific feeling to know that you're being looked up to by people and even better feeling to be able to wave the Irish flag over there. Um, and I mean, you're gonna they, you're gonna make everyone in Westmead. You're gonna make everyone in Ireland. You're gonna make everyone that you've ever known extremely pl- proud. So you should be delighted with yourself. 
Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic achievement. So other than this and being a school teacher and your art on the side, what can we expect in the future now from Emma Carter Art? Um, well, this exhibition will be a major moment in my career as an Irish visual artist, so both on a national level and an international level. So um, I'll be standing beside well-known artists over in Venice and I hope that they respect my work as much as I will respect theirs. But to be able to show the world my work and to recognise it is just amazing. So already there are messages of support coming in, of well wishes, and I'm so grateful. And if this exhibition goes well for me, the next step will be to showcase them in other countries and to receive more commissions and maybe more invitations for international art fairs like this one. Like the experience alone will be impactful on my career. so fingers crossed now it does work out well (laughs) oh and it will and I'm so excited for you as well because it's an incredible opportunity I mean Venice is a beautiful city not that I've been but it's definitely on the bucket list for me to want to go to (laughs) but one last question before I let you go but what do you hope the audience the world basically what do you hope they take from your six pieces that you're bringing over well to have my campus on show in any gallery, whether it's in Ireland or in another country. Like for me, like I teach my students about other artists' work and I bring them to galleries to appreciate art. And like imagine being able to bring them to a gallery with my own work in it. Or to be even go back to go back in September and discuss this experience with them and let them know that I'm actually doing really well as a visual artist, not just a teacher. Like, I'm hopeful that this exhibition will be my eureka moment of my career. Um, because it's, you are, it's, it's a lot of stress knowing that you are, like, representing Ireland in Venice. But it's also really exciting because, like, I, I don't know if any other Irish artist is going over at the time that I'll be there. Um, but the amount of people I will be meeting and just to be able to say I'm from Ireland and Westmead and Constantine a teacher in Cavan, like, it's, it's, it's really funny to think that I'm from the country in a small village and now I'm going to Italy. Like, it's just crazy. <laughs> it's a brilliant achievement. So just to let our listeners know, when is this International Art Fair taking place? So it's taking place from the 26th of July to August 8th um, in Venice in Italy. So I will be back in time for the flag. I'm hoping I am. <laughs> um, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. We'll, uh, well, we'll see you at the fly anyway, because we'll be over there. But Emma, thank you so much for joining me. And we're very, very excited for you to bring your art over there and to showcase it to the world. So honestly, congratulations. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you. Big thank you again for Emma joining us on the show tonight. And if you want to see any of our work, make sure to go to emmacarterart.com. It is worth it. Her pieces are absolutely fantastic. Now, are you a fan of a psychological thriller? then you are not going to want to miss who is joining me next right here on Midlands 103. Encore on Midlands 103, your arts and entertainment for the Midlands with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre Athlone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com Welcome back to Encore on Midlands 103 with me, Shannon Fogarty. And here to tell all on her new psychological thriller newsletter is Lisa Costell. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Not at all, Shannon. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. I'm very excited about this. So tell me a little bit about your background and where the idea came from for this new newsletter. 
So my background, well, I, I, I write psychological thrillers. I've kind of two two out and one kind of very, very, very slowly on the go. Um, but I'm, I've been interested in the genre in a kind of a nerdy way for a long time. And um, over the past couple of years, I've taught a class on it, on writing the psychological thriller in the Irish Writers' Centre. Um, due to, it might be in Athlone Library as well, actually, this autumn. And from doing that class, I love doing the class, but in the classroom, we often talk about things and you don't get an opportunity to really stick with a topic, some angle on the genre and go into it. So I kind of saw, um, I'm using a platform called Substack that a lot of writers use these days. It seems to have kind of taken off in the past couple of years. But I'm kind of, I kind of saw it as a notebook to kind of, kind of get down ideas um, and kind of, kind of go into different themes around the, the genre, if you know what I mean. But I thought I, I, if I did a regular notebook on my own in the office, I wouldn't stick with it. So the idea with the newsletter is people subscribe, you know it's going to arrive in people's um, uh, email box, you know, on a, on a Friday afternoon is when I have it scheduled to go in. So that kind of, it's like homework. I kind of have to do it then. And um, that's basically what it is. So every week I take um, a different a different aspect of the genre, where it's come from, how it distinguishes itself from literary fiction, for example. What are the pitfalls in writing in it? Um, what what has it got going for it? What does this genre have going for it that, um, that others don't? So I'm kind of, I'm really, I am a total nerd with it. I could kind of go on forever about it. Um, so this is, I suppose it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a channel to do that, you know, with a few kind of nerdy um, readers along the way, basically. So that's it in a nutshell. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> and I love it. I love the fact that you're so passionate about it as well. Do you find that it, at times it can be difficult to come up with a story every week or do you just have, a, just you just know what you want to do? So what I do is, it's, it's quite new. My fourth there this week, and I have it scheduled to come out t- tomorrow. Um, what I do is, I, I mean, I've low so far. I've no problem there. I'd say I could keep doing this weekly for a year. Um, one of the challenges is getting the time because, of course, this is sort of an indulgence. It's not, um, it's not worth the pays the bills kind of thing. It's just, it's kind of a, a passion. Um, the other thing is, I find what I do is when I finish one, I say next week I'm going to write about X, and I think to myself, what really fascinates me now? What would I kind of love to start writing about and then I know I'll do it whereas if I do something just out of a sense of duty or because I have to take that box I might not actually stick to it so that's kind of my trick of of getting it done so for instance this week kind of weirdly because it's not a psychological thriller but I wrote about the film Supernova I don't know if you know that film Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth were in it 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 was out a couple of years ago it's a love story Um, but what I love about that film is how plausible it is, the story. Within each scene, there's a really inherent integrity to that film, scene by scene. Um, and plausibility is often a problem for the psychological thriller. So I thought it's a good masterclass. If we look at this film, that really is wonderful on that level. Um, that's a good thing to look at because the psychological thriller, what distinguishes it from other crime fiction genres, if you like, is usually crime fiction, you know, you have a cop or a detective, somebody whose job brings them up uh, close and centre to the the criminal justice system. But with the psychological thriller, what's different about it is that the protagonist, the main character, is an ordinary person, you know, like uh, Joe Bloggs. It's just somebody going about their life. And yet, whatever happens and whatever they do, and this kind of dance between what happens and what they do and how it leads them into trouble, that person finds themselves in an extraordinary situation. And usually it's a story that involves violence. So 
often then you see the problem can be um, achieving a story that doesn't involve a stretch. You know, when you're reading a book and you read a bit and you go, that wouldn't really happen though, would it? You know, but you, you might keep reading if there are other things going for it. So I think that's the biggest challenge of the psychological trainer is to, to weave a, sto- a story, to tell a yarn that feels like it really happened, you know. Um, and so that's why that's, that's kind of one of my central interests. And that's why I'm drawn to it as a writer, because there's a challenge in there. Can you do that? Can you tell the story, the story where the reader knows this is unlikely, but at the same time, it doesn't feel implausible, like the spell of the story isn't broken, if that makes any sense. Okay, I get, I get where you come from. And I guess you're putting yourself into a bit of a challenge as well, because as you said, this comes out every Friday. I know, yes, so far, we'll see. I mean, I, I do hope to stick to that. Like, I mean, the good thing about it is if I do that for a year, I'll have a lot of my thoughts down and that will help with other, you know, I do plan to keep teaching. So, you know, it'll be useful there. And also it clarifies my thoughts on on what the genre is about and what I'm trying to do as an, a writer, what I'm writing within it. Um, but you're right, it is... Um, I don't know, I'm like a sucker for punishment. I don't know, because it is another pressure, isn't it? Like day-to-day life is busy. Um, I've obviously, I work like my, I work as a copy editor alongside the, the writing. So um, it is tricky to um, to fit it in. But I do find, because I've got all my notes from teaching, it's not too bad. I can kind of, I'll grab like an hour, one of my kids is at football, I can grab a few minutes. It's, you know, those odd little few minutes here and there, I can kind of pull it together um, because I have that kind of basis of stuff from, from the classes. Um, so, so far so good, but it is early stages. So and how we'll has how the reaction goes. been for the newsletter? How's the sign-ups and that? How, what, what are people saying now that they've, they, they have this? So it's really nice. Actually, people aren't generally common. There, oh, there is a comment function at the end, you know, that you can add. And so people can make a comment. People aren't doing that, but they're emailing me individually, which is really nice um, and saying that they enjoyed this piece or that or that it resonated them. And some of the people who subscribe to it are other writers. Some of them are writers in the same genre. So it's kind of it's nice. It's a nice kind of way of communicating and kind of stirring ideas and ha- stirring a conversation. So like um the numbers aren't massive, but I love the, there's a kind of a sense of community that I feel is kind of already sort of starting, starting up around it. Um, it's subtext because you can kind of, you can see how many people open it. So you can kind of spy, well, you can't see who opens it and who doesn't, but most people are opening it and reading it. So that's really nice as well. So um, I suppose it's kind of a qualitative um, thing that's happening. You know, it's kind of small and organic at the moment, but um I just, I love, I would not be writing this stuff if I was just writing it for myself. It's just lovely to write to a to an audience and then to have people it, being able to come back to me and say, oh, I like this and I agree with that. And what about this? You know, um, it, 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 it just feels like a nice little new space. You know, the Internet's interesting, all these new little spaces that people can communicate like this, you know, on. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all the rest, but I, I I don't find the social media platforms as conducive to that kind of more in-depth kind of discussion, you know. So so this is nice. I mean, we'll see where it leads. Um, I'm relatively new to it. I never had an, a newsletter before or anything like that. So it's very much in the early stages, but... I like the niche I picked and I, it's nice that people reading it are, it's resonating anyway. And it's nice, as you said, it's new. So this is a community that's going yeah. to grow over time as you keep doing Hopefully. it. So I'm very Hopefully. excited to see where you can go with this. So if anyone wants to sign up for your newsletter, where do they have to go? 
So um, I, th- I think the best thing is probably just to Google my name, like Lisa Costello, L-I-Z-A, and then um, reading the psychological thriller is the name of the substack. Um, and and you'll probably be directed to my website or my Twitter account if you, if you Google it, and you can sign up there. There'll be a box where you can stick your email address in and um, subscribe. I only use it for that. Obviously, I don't use people's email addresses for anything else. So it's like literally every Friday, you get a, a kind of a thousand word um, article on, on the psychological thriller. It's kind of pitched at writers, but also readers who are interested in, in crime fiction as well. You know, hopefully find something interesting in, in it also. And I, f- I find it extremely interesting because I love all that sort of genre. So I'm definitely putting my email yeah, down for that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. That's brilliant. So you got, yeah, one, you got be... one subscriber now. I got one. Excellent <laughs> results. <laughs> so as no, a writer, yeah? Go no, go on, sorry. No, so as a writer yourself, um, and you, I know you do classes and that as well, what would be your top tip for aspiring writers or someone that's thinking about starting their own newsletter but is probably a little bit um, nervous? So if someone's thinking of starting their own newsletter, um, I would say pick something you're really interested in because if you are doing this like I'm doing it, you're, it's going to be something that's eating into your leisure time probably. You know, and if you've got... All the rest, it's tricky. But like, so I think um, I was talking to somebody about a book recently and they were saying there was a bit where they had they had a feeling that the person who wrote the book was told by their editor to maybe add this bit in. I'm not going to say who the book was by, but it, 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 he felt the book was brilliant. But in this particular point, the quality dipped. And I think if you feel any sense of duty when you're writing, um, it's hard to have to have that spark for, you know, you know, when somebody's really passionate about what they're writing or about, you you feel it and, and it's more interesting by virtue of that. And it's also more enjoyable for you as a writer to do it. So I would say, f- figure out where your passions lie and, and what would really excite you to write about and find your niche in there. That would be um, a start. And then start local with like families and friends, letting them know about it and just let it build from there. You know, um, like there is stuff on the Internet about people trying to build huge audiences. But to be honest, personally, I would find that a real I wouldn't enjoy trying to do that too much. It's more about the experience of doing it and having the few readers that really are interested and really will open it and engage. Um, so I think that's the thing with newsletters anyway, I'd say, is to pick something you're really interested in. Um, otherwise, think long and hard about you know why you're doing it to yourself because it's it's a commitment like anything else I suppose and as you said it it, it does cut into your leisure time but if you're passionate mm-hmm. about something and you really have this drive to want to do it you'll find the time mm-hmm. and you'll make the effort and you do you, yeah. you enjoy it isn't time funny like that I think it's time is not sometimes my work is quiet and I think I've all the time in the world and then it just gets filled with stuff I don't think time is as linear as we think it is you know if you're interested in something as you say you'll squeeze it in somewhere. Time will bend here and there to give you the little bit of space. But it's it's that, that passion needs to be there or, you know, you have to ask. I mean, I've worked on things in the past where at the end of the day I have to ask, what's this adding to my life? You know, because, you know, our lives are passing, you know, so you want to, you don't want to put something in your leisure time that doesn't contribute to your quality of life, you know, that doesn't enhance it. Um, so I think at the end of the day, that's, the most important thing. Exactly. Well, I'm very, very excited to see what you are going to send out tomorrow because <laughs> it comes out every okay, Friday. Okay, good stuff. So, it does indeed. Brilliant. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about that. And again, if anyone wants to sign up, just Google Lisa Costello or Reading the Psychological Thriller and you will be able to find it. Again, Lisa, thank you so That's much for telling us all about not this. Not Thanks a million for having me on, Shannon. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Have a good evening. You too. All the best. Bye now. I'm very excited to read more of this. Lisa is 
an incredible writer, so I'm very, very excited. Um, so yeah, do make sure that you go and find her um, newsletter and subscribe because I think it'd be absolutely brilliant. It's something that I'm very, very interested in, so I know that I'll definitely be going to do it myself. And that's it. The show absolutely flew as it does every Thursday. Thank you to all of my amazing guests that joined me on the show today. And remember, if you want to listen back to any of the interviews this evening, you'll be able to find them on podcasts on midlands103.com. And this one will be up tomorrow. So make sure you go listen back to that. I will be back next Thursday with more of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offley and Westmead. And if there's anything you want included on the show, make sure to email me encore at midlands103.com. I love getting everybody involved and I love being able to find out what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offley and Westmead. But stay with us as the talented Joe Cooney is up just after the 8 o'clock news with Country Roads. I hope you have a great weekend. And again, I'll be back to chat with you a lot more of what's happening in the arts next Thursday from 7 o'clock right here on Encore. Have a great weekend and I will chat to you next week.